Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. If you are new here, my name is Mallory Page. I'm a registered dietitian, but I'm also your host. And you've come to the podcast that gives you the no BS answer on all of the nutrition and wellness trends that you hear about every single day, because there's a lot of them. And the funny story about the topic that we're doing today is I've actually wanted to do this topic since the moment I thought about this podcast idea. I was sitting in a coffee shop. If you live in Austin, it was Manana on South Congress. I love the vibes of that coffee shop. It's just so cute. And they have good coffee and matcha as well. And I thought of this idea. And the first episode idea I said to him is, I could do this podcast where I talk about intuitive eating. And not just intuitive eating in the typical sense that we hear about, but if intuitive eating actually has diet culture in it now too, despite the fact that it was really founded as this anti-diet culture movement. And there, I knew that this was going to have to happen. But I was waiting for the right time, you know? It's it's hard when you think of an idea. If you're like, I want it to be good. I want it to be timed right. But today... I was having a conversation with one of my clients and we were talking all about this topic and she was asking me about different diets and trends and things and then she asked me, well, what do you think about intuitive eating? Do you feel like it's just another diet or do you feel like it's different? And that's when I knew I had to make this episode. I really want to do more of the discussion on how intuitive eating has been affected by diet culture or if it has And answer the question that you saw in the title, is intuitive eating just another diet today? Rather than going into all the specifics of intuitive eating itself and the studies that back it and all of that, there's a lot of great (laughs) podcasts about that. And I'm happy to do one of those if you guys would like one and just talk more about the, the nitty gritty of it as a way of eating. But I often don't find this particular topic discussed enough. And so that's what I want to focus on. But before we go into that, we do need to start off by defining intuitive eating. So intuitive eating was founded by Evelyn Tribal and Elise Risch. I even searched up the pronunciation on her last name, but it has Spanish origin, or at least typically how this last name is pronounced does. And so I couldn't do the the S roll in that it, it just totally butchers how I say it. But those are the two women that founded this movement. They're both RDNs, but they have a lot of other amazing titles as well, as well and incredibly smart women. And intuitive eating, as a definition, according to intuitiveeating.org, which is founded by them, is a self-care eating framework which integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought and was created by two dietitians, Evelyn Tribal and Elise Rich, in 1995. Intuitive eating is a weight-inclusive evidence-based model with a validated assessment scale and over 100 studies to date. So that's what I mean when I say I'm not going to go into all the studies. There are a ton of studies about it, but there are a lot of places that you can find those and kind of dig into the actual validity of intuitive eating itself and how it is practiced. But even keep in mind that 1995, for scientific standpoints, is not long ago. That's very new in the field. So this is a newer framework. We did learn about this in school, but it wasn't extensively talked about or practiced. For example, if you go into a hospital, they're not going to be talking to you about intuitive eating. This isn't in M&T or anything like that. But it definitely has grown in popularity a lot over the years and also on Instagram, which is part of the reason why we're talking about it today. There are 10 core principles to intuitive eating, and I'm going to read them out to you quickly. 
But it's reject the diet mentality, honor your hunger, make peace with food, challenge the food police, discover the satisfaction factor, feel your fullness, cope with your emotions with kindness, respect your body, movement, feel the difference, honor your health, gentle nutrition. I'm not going to go in and describe each of these in depth, but again, their website, which I can link, the original intuitive eating pros, has all of the definitions for these things. I do want to make quick note that part of the reason why many people struggle with intuitive eating is the honor your hunger piece of it. And if you don't have accurate hunger and fullness cues, it makes it very challenging to practice this, as you can imagine, if you really think about how can you honor your hunger if you don't have hunger and fullness cues. Now, the principles work in two key ways. So they help cultivate attunement to physical sensations that arise from within your body to get your both biological and physical needs met. And they remove the obstacles and disruptors to attunement, which usually comes from the rules of, or from in the form of rules, beliefs, and thoughts. So I would say that diet culture and even your relationships can influence this. But the practice of intuitive eating or the process of intuitive eating is a practice and it honors both mental and physical health. It's aligned with health at every size because the pursuit of intentional weight loss is a failed paradigm, which creates health problems, including weight stigma, weight cycling, and eating disorders. All bodies deserve dignity and respect. I love how I said that while I was mid-burp. I'm very sorry that you guys had to hear that. Or maybe you didn't and I just called myself out. I just wanted to give that little intro so at least if you've never heard about intuitive eating or you haven't really practiced it at all, you have an idea of what it's all about. And this is really the best way to kind of think about it. And I think that they've done a really good job of putting it into very understandable, simple terms when you're learning about it. But I also can see from even this how it can be kind of confusing to know, but what even is intuitive eating? What does it look like in practice? And their whole book really goes into that. So they have the principles of intuitive eating book. They have workbooks that you can go through. They even have ones for teens and for kids and all of that good stuff. So if you want to learn more about that, I would definitely suggest doing it there. But let's talk about the tea. Let's talk about intuitive eating in the modern day. And to start this off, I want to give a story. So I am an intuitive eater. I would consider myself to be an intuitive eater. And what that means to me is not that I feel like I walk around telling people I'm an intuitive eater. It means that I don't have to think that much about food and what it means in my life. That doesn't mean that I don't think food is important, but it means that I trust myself and my body to not think that I constantly have to think about what I should eat, when I should eat it, how it should look what timing it should be, and all of those different things. But I do think a lot of intuitive eating can be very challenging because some of the people that say they're intuitive eating, it doesn't really come across that way when you actually watch them eat or see what they eat. And that's because everybody's version of intuitive eating is very, very, very different. And I think this is the piece that most people struggle with. To go back to my story, this last weekend I was in New York and I was out there for a podcast that I was recording. I was interviewed by someone, which was so nice, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it when it comes out. I'll definitely share it. We were talking all about 
a healthy body image and healthy relationships with food, all that stuff. And we really got into it. So that weekend in the morning, I woke up, I had, I had flown in actually at like, I left Austin at like eight 45 and I didn't get into New York land in New York until about 12 and then Ubers surged and it was like a freaking crazy expensive Uber and it ended up taking about two hours to even get to my friend's apartment in the Upper West Side so I got there at like 2 a.m. we didn't go to bed until like 2 40. I needed to get up at 7 a.m. to get ready for the podcast that was at 11 so I woke up got ready put my makeup on all the stuff drinking some water went over to get a matcha from a coffee shop right around the corner. I, in that moment, did not feel that hungry, to be honest. I definitely felt like my hunger cues were telling me that I could have just drank the matcha and been fine. But here's the thing. I know myself, guys. I know that if I were to have done that, I literally would have passed out and been so nervous, and been a wreck, and we've gotten starving, I would have been angry, hangry, all of the things. So, using the practice of gentle nutrition and intuitive eating, I decided to eat a taco that they had there. That was what I had. I had that with my matcha. I felt good to go. Later on, I was walking around. It was right before the podcast interview, because I ended up getting, like, that's why I had to leave early. I was getting a blowout, because you know, why not? Like, look your best. It was getting video recorded. I mean, come on. So I was walking around and I stumbled upon this really cute coffee shop and I saw these muffins. I was like, wow, that looks like such a good muffin. I'd love to have that muffin. In that moment, I will say I wasn't that hungry. You know, I was like, meh, I definitely could eat. I don't need to eat, but it looked really good. So because I was craving that muffin and it seemed like it'd be a really fun experience, I got the muffin. I had it and I had, I don't know, maybe half of it. And I decided that I was satisfied with that muffin. And it wasn't even necessarily physical satisfaction. It was honestly more mental satisfaction because I bought it because I was mentally needing to be satisfied. And I said, all right, I think that's good for me. I don't think I need anything more. Later on that day, we were going to go get lunch. And we were kind of trying to decide, okay, do we eat lunch now? Do we just wait and have an early dinner? But in this circumstance, I was kind of high off these like adrenalines. I was high off adrenaline from this podcast interview. We knew that we were kind of going to be walking around all throughout the day. And so using the principle of mechanical eating and just recognizing how I was feeling stressed, maybe my hunger cues weren't as strong as usual, we decided to have lunch and ate that lunch, and then were able to kind of go on without the day, throughout the day. For me, this is what one day of intuitive eating can look like, right? And that day, I literally had a taco, a muffin, toast, and then a cheese board with toast and meats, and then maybe, maybe, maybe about 15 alcoholic beverages. <laughs> So that was what my intuitive eating day looked like. Some days are completely different, right? Some days I could be having a smoothie, a salad, uh, a grain bowl, and I don't know, a piece of chocolate for dessert. Honestly, I don't typically have chocolate for dessert. I typically have like ice cream or something, but you guys get what I'm saying. 
the whole reason that I share this whole story is not to say that this is what your intuitive eating needs to look like, but it's to showcase the idea of what intuitive eating can be. And as someone that's recovered, I use intuitive eating as a way to recognize that I can listen to my hunger, listen to my fullness, tap into all of the different pieces of what make up my hunger and fullness without being obsessive, because that's my goal. I don't want to be obsessive about food. What I have noticed is that as intuitive eating has really surged on Instagram and on social media, which fun fact about this Maybe a year and a half ago when I was posting about intuitive eating or maybe even two years ago, there are about 300 hashtags on Instagram about intuitive eating and food freedom, but let's just focus on intuitive eating. And then this year, just the other day, I was looking, it was hashtagging intuitive eating and there were 2 million hashtags, which is pretty insane how big of a change and a shift that is. So you can tell that it really has been blowing up. But what I often see is that intuitive eating can almost be used as a cover-up for eating whatever you want and not having people say anything about it. So let me give an example. As I'm on TikTok, a lot of what I eat in a days will still come up on my for you page. I think it's because I look at them and like literally use them for content like this. But for example, this one was what I eat in a day by a model that lives in New York city. And I, I don't know who this is. I can't remember the name or anything. I'm not targeting anybody specific. I honestly see so many of these videos. So don't take it. Like I'm trying to say something about someone specific, but this, what I eat in a day was so evidently restrictive and it wasn't just what she was eating. It was the way that her body looked. And I do not like looking at looks as a judgment for how healthy someone is. But in this circumstance and based off of her other videos, you could tell that there was some disordered nature to what she was doing. Not to mention she, of course, was body checking before on the camera and all that type of stuff. When she went through it, and I won't go into details about it for not wanting to be triggering, the amount that she was eating, the type of food she were eating were almost completely what I would call quote unquote safe foods. So hashtag or quote unquote healthy foods. And also they were all in very, very small quantities. There were very few meals that were had. There was very little variety. And when I looked at it, I just found myself thinking, how is this intuitive eating? Because maybe for her, it does feel intuitive, but does she recognize all of the elements of what intuitive eating actually means? Is she recognizing gentle nutrition? Is she understanding mechanical eating? Does she know how to feed her mental and her physical fullness? Does she understand what it means to actually know how much your body needs rather than just what your body wants too? Because this is important. A lot of us can convince ourselves that all we need is a certain amount, but what our body actually wants is something different. And this is where I feel like intuitive eating as just another diet is coming in. Because intuitive eating as itself is not a diet. It really is a framework that focuses on having food be self-care, having it be more neutral, being able to listen to all different hungers, 
from emotional, mental, physical, which is a really amazing thing. That's something that we want to be able to do. We want to be able to recognize all of the different ways that food can fuel us. It can fuel us as fuel itself. It can fuel us as connection. It can fuel us culturally. It can fuel us experience-wise. It can be something that's just fun. It can nourish our soul. It can nourish us in general. There's so many different aspects and ways that food nourishes us and our body. And intuitive eating is meant to work with that. But that does not mean that just because that's how it was created, that that's how everybody is taking it. And this goes back to last week, last week's episode around 80-20. I never said that 80-20 was inherently bad. I think for a lot of people, it can be very balanced for them and it can work. But if it is becoming something where you're constantly having to think about food, then it's not going to be helpful. And I do think that some people use intuitive eating in that way. It's almost like a cover-up to the fact that they're being maybe even disordered or even just eating something that is less than what they need, but because they say it's intuitive eating, or even another example is like they eat only quote unquote healthy foods, but because they say it's intuitive eating, it's okay. Now there's a whole other aspect of this too that I think makes intuitive eating very hard is it's not inherently very inclusive. And why I say it's not inherently very inclusive is because The people that are spreading the message, and this is myself included, so I am calling out my privilege and also my um, role in this, they are almost always dietitians, which we have way more knowledge about food than the average citizen that doesn't go to school for it. They are white and they have thin privilege. So when you take those things into account, When someone else stumbles upon the intuitive eating movement, it can really feel like, okay, well, this doesn't apply to me. This isn't about me. This is about you guys. And I can see why that feeling and that emotion and that thought comes up for people. And I think that's another thing that contributes to this. It's so unfair how many people I will see that are in larger bodies that will share that they're intuitive eating and someone is piping off in their freaking comments telling them how that's not intuitive if they were only eating that much their body would look so different like or how about you hit the gym or something just absolutely despicable and disgusting that someone is saying underneath their comments when they're putting themselves out there and showing that they are truly eating intuitively and they have such a beautiful mix of all different foods But then you see some girl that's in a very small body and they say that their day of eating is completely intuitive. And if it's a super quote unquote healthy day, then they're like, wow, how do you crave all these super healthy foods? How does your body look like that? Blah, 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 blah. And if it's a day that's not as nourishing, people are like, wow, it's so amazing that you can listen to your body and eat all these things. Like, I wish I could do that. Such a toxic rhetoric around food and this type of eating. And I think this perpetuates the whole challenge of intuitive eating feeling like a diet because diets don't feel inclusive in my opinion. Because when you look at a diet, yes, anybody can do it, but it's also like the only people that are really important are the people that it quote unquote works for, right? And it's just such a weird concept 
to think about how much we put weight on someone's body size. And I think that's a really cool thing about intuitive eating is that it does align with health at every size. And it really does say that intentional weight loss is not the purpose. And I don't think that the founders of this in any way spread that message. And I've actually listened to many podcasts with them that have talked explicitly about how intuitive eating is for anybody at any body size. And also that it's not supposed to be in conjunction with weight loss, but people still do it. So that brings me to my other point is the people that talk about intuitive eating for weight loss. This drives me nuts. Now, hear me out. If you start intuitive eating, so let's say you start healing your relationship with food and you felt like you were over your set point range, which this means that you're continually engaging in habits that don't make you feel good. Maybe you feel like you're constantly clearing your plate even when, you know, you're past your fullness, right? Or you find yourself binging really frequently or something along those lines. Or maybe you're not eating enough carbohydrates in the day, so you find yourself fixating on carbohydrates and sweet at night, Not any of those things are bad, but if they don't feel like they're making your body feel its best, then that's something that can lead you over your set point or just over a point of feeling good for you. Now, if we get you in tune with your body and you start really being able to listen to your hunger and fullness cues, eat more regularly, have a mix of all different foods, foods that are nourishing and foods that are just more fun or feeling connection then your body may change. And that could be that it changes in the form of losing weight. But that would never, ever be the goal of intuitive eating. Because there are other people that may start intuitive eating and their body may change and they may need to add weight. Because if you are adequately nourishing yourself and your body changes as a result, it was meant to change 1000%. And intuitive eating is not failing if your body changes in that way. It is actually succeeding because that means you're trusting your body and it's trusting you to land where it actually needs, which is so freaking important. So when I see these people saying that they use intuitive eating to lose weight, it could just not be more false. And that is just the truth of it. Because anybody that says that to you is violating the principles that we just talked about, right? And I can tell you too that you can't truly 1000% respect your hunger, 1000% make peace with food and all of those other things that we listed and also be focusing on losing weight as the main focus. If you focus more on feeling good, if you focus more on wanting to have more energy or any of those types of things, that's different. And if that your body changes in result of that, then cool, it was meant to. But if it doesn't, then it wasn't. And that is one of the hardest pieces of this. And so when you see those people that are sharing it in that way, then it really does give off that kind of diet culture red flag. And that is a hard thing, which just kind of ties back to the very first episode that I made on here is diet culture is so insidious that it is finding ways to seep into things that are inherently anti-diet culture. And I do feel like intuitive eating has become one of those things. Although at its basis, it is not a diet, it is something that can be very beneficial wherever you're at with your relationship with food. And yes, Even if with things like PCOS, diabetes, all of these other things, there are tons of amazing 
dietitians and practitioners that are able to help show people how intuitive eating can be a part of their life, even in this phase. It still can become like a diet because of how people utilize it. And this is why I consistently say that there is nothing that is inherently good and bad when it comes to nutrition. And of course, there are exceptions here, but I mean with most of these trends, right? So if you are intuitive eating in a certain way and it makes you feel good, that is the most important thing. But if you're someone that's scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, seeing somebody's intuitive eating what I eat in a day, first of all, you don't know if that truly is intuitive eating for them because of all the things I mentioned. But also the cool thing about intuitive eating is no matter what, you shouldn't be comparing your day of intuitive eating to someone else's. Every day looks different. Every week looks different. Every year can look different. And for all those years to come, and also intuitive eating isn't a cure for everything and you have to be in the right place to even start it, right? So being in recovery is a really good example of this. As I was alluding to in the beginning, if your hunger and fullness cues aren't strong enough, which is very common in an eating disorder, then you need to wait a little bit of time until you feel like those are restored and they're consistently showing up for you. If you feel like you're in a time of really bad depression or stress, then you may not have very obvious hunger and fullness cues because of that, right? And these are just a few examples, but just a reminder that no one trend, framework, rule, anything is going to be a complete game changer for every single person. I do really think that intuitive eating is something that everyone should give a try, but you may even go about it in a different way than what the mainstream kind of framework is, and that's okay. I didn't go through intuitive eating with the 10 steps and reading through the book and all of those different methodologies that I explained to you. So this is a short and sweet episode, but I wanted to talk about this because it's something that has been showing up so often in my work and I like going at both sides of the coin, right? This very first episode that I made on this podcast was saying and questioning this whole idea of is anti-diet culture the new diet culture? And in order to really show that both sides, the anti-diet culture and the diet culture side, can have elements of both things in them. I always want to cover both types of topics from intuitive eating to intermittent fasting. So I really hope you enjoyed. Let me know if you did. You listening means so much to me. I did get a lot of questions about intuitive eating when I put up a question box on my feed and I also do have just some other things that I could definitely dive into about it. So if you want to hear those, let me know. But I so appreciate you joining me every single week, but especially this one. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love more than anything if you could share with one of your friends, family on your story, and if you could leave a rating and review. Again, as a reminder, if you rate, I pick one person each month that shared, rated, reviewed, any of those good things to be entered to win a free Starbucks gift card. So I will leave all the links down below my handles on Instagram and live unrestricted link and all of the good things. And I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.